22 to 21. It's Gavin Stewart. He's a freshman. This is from 60 yards. And Stewart has it blocked. It's blocked, and that is the game. And what a finish here tonight, Atlanta. Mac football pod. Let me be 100% honest with you really quickly. Big, big, big fan of official accounts, especially colleges, tweeting out videos of a bunch of, it's easy to say that they're all under 21 for the most part, at least close to 100 of these guys, tweeting out a video where they're all jumping around and singing the lyrics, I got a whole lot of money. Bitches count it for me. Bottles keep popping. That's why the bad hoes jocking. But it's okay. It's a party. Congrats, NIU. Congrats, all those guys, all those contributors for being the best, the coolest win of the weekend, right? The coolest win of week one, week one, week one out of the MAC. Wasn't expecting it to be NIU. Wasn't expecting it to be that on IU. I mean, I guess you probably should should have probably should have saw it if we would have known how sorry Georgia Tech really was. Sorry to be a wet blanket. But hey man, NIU, they they did the damn thing. They beat a power five school and the rest of you guys didn't. Let's see, Ohio, you hosted Syracuse. Should have been a winnable game, but Sean Tucker ran all over you. Texas AM was gonna blow out Kent State anyways. Same can be said for Miami's loss to Cincinnati. Western Michigan, I wasn't expecting them to lose by that much to Michigan, but not surprising either. And Bowling Green and Akron, you guys went into uh, SEC country, came back with, uh, well, Akron has more touchdowns than Bowling Green at this point. I am recording this thing uh, about a day late, just kind of got busy on Sunday, so I couldn't record the uh, the quick recap then. Might as well just do it now, get through uh, the week one games, the 12 games that there were. If you check out MacFootballBlog.com, you'll already read a whole recap there. I've also got some power rankings up over there. I'm going to have a pick'em come out pretty soon. Uh, it's Monday, so got to do that. But I got to record this first, so let's get to it. Also, full disclaimer, did not watch all of these games, at least not as intent. Like, I went to Eastern St. Francis, hung out in the press box. Always a nice view. Uh, paid a lot of attention to that game, obviously, but I mean, I didn't pay as intimately of an attention to some of these other games that were, you know, like on Saturday. Didn't watch all of Buffalo Wagner because that was a blowout early and often. You know, just, you know, things get things get a little crowded, so I didn't get to watch all these games super intimately the first time through. I'm going to have to clean some things up on my second and third watch-throughs of a lot of these games. Yes, yes, I know what you're thinking. Yes, I'm a madman. Let's just start with eh, let's start with Thursday really quickly. Buffalo, Wagner, uh, Maurice Linguist, he got his first win as a, uh, as a head coach over his career. 69, Wagner 7. 
very nice way to start things out. Wasn't expecting, you know, and I shouldn't be surprised by it either, that Buffalo's talent just destroyed Wagner's, just waxed the floor with them, scored on basically every drive possible. Wagner, eh, not so much. Not so much. There's really not a whole lot to say. It's just like Buffalo's just way, 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 way better. A lot of people got some playing time. You know, guys from, you know, it wasn't just Kevin Marks, you know, Ron Cook, Dylan Duffy, Tajay Ahmed, Jake Molinich even. He got a rushing touchdown. They got a fullback touchdown. So it's good for Buffalo to essentially just come away with a one, you know, a one and no record through week one. Yes, it's against FCS competition, but all things considered, it's nice to at least just start things out with the win. Uh, same can be said for Ball State, except not as confidently because there's no excuse for you guys to come within 10 points of Western Illinois. I mean, Western Illinois is not, it is better than Wagner for sure. And we've seen Western Illinois take down some Mac schools fairly recently. Uh, I can think to last time that happened was 2016 or 2017 at NIU. And they beat NIU like four times, I think since the 80s i looked that up that that's what that's what nerds like me do we look things up like that 31-21 just didn't have just didn't have a lot of big plays drew plitt didn't play you know fantastically played all right missed some open shots which is pretty depressing justin hall came through the running backs the only one that really came through was uh, that freshman Carson Steele because in the second half he had like the 37-yard touchdown and then on the next possession he had like a 33-yard run. Fumbled it away at the very end, but, you know, moved the ball better than any other running back that night. And just because Buffalo had essentially three guys being able to make big plays that day, those guys being... Carson Strong, Justin Hall. Uh, They didn't really have too many others. But Western Illinois, they had one playmaker ripped off for like 237 receiving yards, had like 12 catches. Big dude. Number 10. like uh, Something Houston. Dennis Houston was his name. He was the only playmaker for Western Illinois. Like, no one else even posed close to being a threat, and he still shredded up a very proven defensive secondary for Ball State. So there are things to be concerned about there, but it kind of just, I don't know, man. I wasn't i wasn't expecting the run game to be, like, that bad. Like, that not great, I should say. It wasn't bad. It was just needs to make big plays. It needs to make big plays. It can't all, like all the chunk plays can't be through the air this year. They need to establish the run. Uh, Tennessee 38, Bowling Green 6. I'm not going to say a lot there. I didn't even watch it for like, okay, I watched it for like two minutes. I didn't watch it for three though. And I will say this. Bowling Green got rid of Brian Van Gorder and because of that you forced Tennessee to punt three times. Oh no, he retired. Trust me, he was shown the door. Eastern Michigan, St. Francis. I kind of wrote about the quarterback situation for them. Eastern beat St. Francis by 20. 
35 to 15. I don't know if there's going to be like a true quarterback battle or a true two quarterback system. I just know that the offensive line didn't keep the quarterbacks clean against FCS competition. So why would I believe that it's just automatically going to get better, you know, against Wisconsin and against the rest of the schedule against the Mac West. The offensive line is deep as it is. And as much as the Eastern fans do like the O-line group, you know, there's some, there's some nice pieces there for sure, but for 75 plays, it's not always, you know, intact. And that's kind of a problem. The quarterbacks do need to run as much as the quarterbacks need to make plays through the air. Quarterbacks sometimes need to, you know, run out of the pocket and make plays with their feet. And so we have two guys over there that have two different skill sets. I shouldn't say different skill sets, but I mean like one is clearly a better runner, the returning Hutchinson, and one is clearly better at throwing a fa- like a fastball 20 yards downfield on a line, and that's Ben Bryant. And so how do you balance those two out? That's why I'm not a football coach. But that's for Eastern to figure out. The defense, though, defense looked good. There was a lot of missing pieces for Eastern that game. Lots of injuries already. Um, defensive front, though, those guys look solid. Uh, Caleb Ellaby, he looked... I don't know, man. He looked all right. I mean, my expectation was for Western to... Keep it comfortable. Yeah, keep it somewhat close against Michigan. The spread was sixteen and a half. I thought it was gonna. I thought Western would have at least maybe covered. That looked good, but uh, that didn't materialize. The, the defense for Western is just might be worse than I thought it would be. Uh, I know they got shredded by Michigan, who's more talented. They've got, you know, they ran a lot of power for current Michigan standards at least. Ran over a lot of Western defenders. Is an Eastern grad, I love to see it, really do. Uh, as someone who covers the MAC and kind of needs more MAC teams to uh, do better than that, I don't like it. Same can be said for Miami Cincinnati, I guess, uh, 49 to 14. Uh, Cincinnati just, just shredded Miami, just shredded. Desmond Ritter was like 20 of 25. Now, Miami was out. Uh, running back Jalen Bester was out quarterback Brett Gabbert. I don't think it matters. <laughs> like I still think that we're ending up with the exact same score here. A uh, little concerned for the defense. Would have hoped that at this point, especially with the super senior situation, could have kept them, could have kept Cincinnati below forty nine for sure. Uh, but they didn't, and that's not, you know, that's just not good. But we've seen this out of Miami before, where it gets its brains kicked in for the first four weeks through non-conference play and then once Mac play heats up you know you're you're singing a different tune because Miami's Mac level good Miami's not Cincinnati level good uh Toledo 49 Norfolk State 10 I didn't watch a second of this game I watched two seconds of Akron Auburn I did not even consider putting on Toledo Norfolk State so I can't say uh, anything about what I saw about this game because I saw 
absolutely nothing about it. So I'm really, really sorry about that. But listen, if you were coming to me and you were hoping for like hard-hitting analysis of Toledo 49, FCS Team 10, I don't know, man. Go back and listen to my other episodes about like where you expect, where I expect Toledo to be uh, four or five weeks from now. It was good to read that uh, Daquan Finn was the leading rusher of this game. So that was kind of cool. Central Michigan and Missouri was was really, 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 really fun. One of the more fun games uh, to watch because it was just exciting from the first snap on. It was close. Uh, There was just a lot of, oh, man, should have had that. Oh, wow, great play. I can't believe you pulled that off. Lots of, like, mixed moments like that all throughout the game, which I really liked. Uh, I'm going to start with with the negative, and it's just Khalil Pimpleton. Um, Dude did not have a great game. Uh, If you look at his stats, I mean, 0 for 1 passing because, you know, trick plays. They like to do that with him. Receiving, he was targeted. I I feel like he dropped at least, like, one or two. I know there there was a couple times on special teams where, like, he, uh, he muffed, like, a punt return or whatever. But he was like four of four on targets and catches, receiving for thirty-eight yards. Didn't do much there. Uh, rushing the ball too, just one one yard on one carry there. Obviously, the game planned to you know around him. And if they let you know, and if Missouri was going to let Jacory Sullivan, eight of eight, eight catches, eight targets, one hundred two yards, two touchdowns, or Dallas Dixon, you know, five catches, five targets, eighty-three yards, no tutties. They're better off letting guys like them burn them than Khalil Pimpleton because Khalil Pimpleton is way too obvious, right? If you're Missouri, you want to game plan around 88 and let the other guys, you know, try to get by you. And it it worked, you know, it worked for Missouri. Um, But Pimpleton, he was, in the end, no matter how good of a defensive plan that Missouri has, you still want the offense to come through. And it just it just didn't work out for him. That said, oh man, Jacob Sermon got his ass kicked too. Oh, my God, I don't have to read off all the stats. Let me read off one: uh, defensive sacks for Missouri, Nueve. That's nine for uh, for you non-Spanish speakers out there. Nine times did the Tigers put. The new quarterback on his butt. That's a lot. Uh, I mean, it, and it showed, man. The guy was just walking around like he had just, like, got beat with a club. Kind of felt bad for him. <laughs> kind of felt bad for Jacob Sermon. But you know what? He looked good. He uh, he took it well. I don't think this is going to be the hardest game of the season for Central Michigan. I definitely don't think it's the easiest. It was a really good game, though. I would really consider like rewatching this if uh, if you get the chance. You're gonna learn a lot about Central Michigan because it, for both teams, like it was one of those things where like the teams both kind of played well. They, there were good moments on both sides, but there was always more to be desired. So uh, I, I kind of like games like that, just on an entertainment value. Uh, moving forward, though, Jacob Sermon, he's he's gonna be pretty good. That guy. That guy's good. That's that's all I really got to say about him. He's good. Lou Nichols, he's he's amazing. 
19 carries, one touchdown, 135 yards. God, that guy's so amazing. Uh, the defense, too. The defense, like I mentioned how much pressure Missouri put on Central. Central didn't have as many sacks as Missouri, but on the whole, Central's defense pretty much matched the Tigers. Uh, Syracuse 29, Ohio 9, the one game that a lot of people were kind of really pulling for because Syracuse is not that great, and Ohio is also not that great, but might be a little bit better. Uh, But Ohio didn't score a touchdown at home, and Syracuse's running back, what's his name? Uh, Sean Sean something. Sean Tucker. That guy's good. That's why you recruit the DMV right there. That guy is good. Yeah, Ohio, they just have a lot of things that they need to clean up. Like, you know, there were some like some mental mistakes. Like, Demontre Tuggle, he tried returning a kick out of the end zone, uh, and then he ended up just getting down at the one. Uh, can't have that at all, especially when an easy touchback gives you more comfortable field position to begin with. You know, just things like that need to, like, get better, but... I mean, they were just not threatening in the red zone at all this game. So, uh, you know, good win for, you know, Mac coaching alum Dino Babers. Uh, sucks to see Tim Albin go 0-1 to start his career. But you know what? It's it's all good, man. You just hosted Syracuse. Like, the competition might get better or might stay the same. I don't know how, how you feel about that. But I don't feel good about Ohio if it's not scoring touchdowns at all. Like, you're almost offensively. No, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. I'm going to save it. Saving it. Uh, Texas A&M 41, Kent State 10. The one thing that that probably impressed me the most about this game was that the defense was able to keep it as close as it did for as long as it did in the second quarter. Um, Forced a turnover on downs. Elvis Hines got his fourth and fifth career interceptions against A&M's new... uh, new quarterback down there kept things close for a while but I mean all the while Kent State's offense is like okay you're you only put up three points that's not you that's the kicker and it just took just took a while for for Kent State to get by but A&M's defense man that secondary is just unbelievable like I don't I'm gonna have to rewatch it I don't know if receivers were ever open that game. I just don't know. Like, you're taking in receivers that are maybe pretty skilled or at least developing a lot, and you're putting them up against blue-chip defensive backs. I mean, what did you expect to happen? But the game was close for a while, and then it wasn't. Uh, A&M just turned things on in the second quarter, or second half, rather. Had a couple running backs reach 100 yards. Yeah, and that was it. Forty-one ten. Hey, NIU. Twenty-two. Georgia Tech. Twenty-one. Like I said, the coolest win of the week was that of all teams it was NIU, and against all teams it was Georgia Tech. Yeah, uh, Georgia Tech. Hey man, you're an ACC team. You should beat the Mac every time like that. I mean, if you're playing a team that has 88 freshmen, you should win no matter what. Especially in this this kind of year where there's a whole bunch of super seniors and whatnot. 
I don't know what they got going over in NIU, uh, but they definitely have something better than Georgia Tech. Normally, after a team, like when a MAC team plays a P5 team, I'm like I'm likely to say, all right, the competition from here, it's probably going to get easier. I don't know if anything's going to get easier after Georgia Tech because I don't think Georgia Tech is as good as a lot of MAC teams right now. And that's that's really, really sad to see. But, I mean, the first four possessions for Georgia Tech, turnover on downs, missed a 40-something-yard field goal, missed a 50-something-yard field goal, and then fumble. And then you finally get your first touchdown late, midway through the second quarter to, to break a 14-0 tie, or a 14-0 game uh, NIU's way. Then they eventually tied things up. Man, and then NIU just went for the juggler at the the juggler. The juggler right at the very, very end. Score their touchdown with less than a minute left. Thomas Hammock said, We're not playing for overtime. Screw that. We're going for two. Lombardi rolled right. Found Tyrese Ritchie. Had to stretch out his what, five foot eight, five foot nine frame to to get that ball. They had to review it because they might have thought that the ball uh, he didn't have full possession of it, that the ball came down and hit the turf, and that's what helped give him possession in his hands. But then they, uh, after review, and I thought that it was going to, like, overturn, too. I, th- I really thought it was going to be overturned. But the play stood, the call on the field stands. Two-point conversion's good. Georgia Tech has mm, 30-something seconds to work with. They try to drive downfield, and then they said, well... The first two field goals didn't work. Let's try a third one from 60. And then that got blocked. Oh. Oh. We don't get enough of these upsets, man. We don't get enough of them. And it's just really, really fun when they finally do happen. Especially, as and like, I pay way too much attention to this league and just assume way too much about a lot of these teams and I just did not, of all the previews that I've done, I did not see this one happening. And that's probably my fault for not paying enough attention to Georgia Tech, but I paid a lot of attention to the fact that, and let me say it one more time, NIU has 88 freshmen on its roster. I don't know how you're supposed to trust that. I've never seen a team that, that fielded that many freshmen in my lifetime. And what'd they do? Well... They organized and they beat Georgia Tech. I don't know what they're going to do after this, but they're 1-0. And boom goes the dynamite. 